Hello again. Welcome back, folks. It is time yet again for another episode of the Sustainable Culture Podcast. My name is Jet. I am your host, and last time was a good one, if I can say that. We spoke with Carmen Gregg, who's a nutritionist, about women's health and the connection between food, our opinions of ourselves, and the emotional experiences that come out when we talk about it. That real good stuff. Take some time with that one. Now, today's going to be a fun one. I've been waiting for this. Mr. Jeremiah Brunel, farmer extraordinaire of not just plants, but worms. Yes, Jeremiah, in working with the soil and the critters that help make the soil vibrant and healthy, had the idea one day of talking about worms. And I think that's a great idea. We're going we're gonna to explore some worm facts you probably didn't know and just take a minute to appreciate and spend some gratitude on the wonderful little wigglers. Wonderful wigglers? I was going for alliteration there and it didn't feel super good. Anyway, I don't know where you're listening from, but here in North Idaho, the soil is just beginning to thaw, still frozen in some places, and we're looking forward to planting some stuff and getting something of a garden going, getting outside and playing again. I cannot wait. So this is our final winter season episode, folks. How about that? What a fun way to bring the dark and the cold to a close. This is episode 25 with Jeremiah Brunel, Worms, Heroes of the Underground. sitting in front of me looking at me hello hi how's it going man it's going great i'm so glad that you're finally here how long have we talked about potentially talking it's been it's been a few months maybe even as long as a year i think so it's been a little bit yeah so for folks who uh uh are unfamiliar with jeremiah which i probably assuming is most folks is is uh not to say you're unimportant jeremiah i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) Is uh, I knew I met Jeremiah because uh, through you know we both worked at Pilgrims at the same time for a while he was farming and so we met kind of through that and then just conversed many times about just all kinds of things cool stuff about farming and sustainability and plants this and that and just all kinds of stuff related to that and, and uh, so we've been meaning to get together and we finally are and we're gonna talk about worms. Yeah, man. Worms. Exclamation mark at the end of the worms. <laughs> Those little things under your feet that nobody pays much attention to but are so important when yes. it comes to sustainability and you know, going towards the future. How can we make our society more sustainable? How can we take our waste and turn it into something that we actually want to use? And I yeah. think worms are going to be a key part of that. So I'm really yeah. excited to talk worms today. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. It was kind of in passing. Um, when I was like, man, next time I see you, we'll talk about something. You said, yeah, maybe worms or something. And it was a funny little moment where we were like, actually, yeah. that'd be a killer, <laughs> that'd be a killer discussion. So, so to start this right off, I mean, what does it mean to you 
as someone who has experience doing this, what does it mean to you to tend to the land personally? And how did your interests become focused around things like worms and agricultural related things? Well, you know, so when it comes to tending the land, to me, that would really mean being a steward of the land and being someone that looks after the land. If you think of uh, conventional agriculture, those kind of guys go in and they are just looking to make money and they're able to spray whatever they want onto their field and not care about the life in the soil or anything and they're just trying to make a buck. And to me, that's not really tending the land. That's just trying to make money off the land. So Taking, yeah. Taking. So I would assume that tending the land for me would be like the land that you work as a farmer, as a gardener should be better when you leave than yeah. when you got there. Yeah. So if you were to walk away, the plants and everything would be, would benefit from anything that you've done rather than take a long time to bounce back kind of thing. So to tend the land is to really just, for lack of a better word, just to care and to care about <laughs> yeah. what you're doing and not solely look at it like, how am I going to make the most money? Yeah, and screw the life in the soil. I'm gonna make money. So that's tending the land. And I guess how would I have gotten started in this? Is I became a foodie right out of high school. I loved really good food, and I would shop at organic grocery stores and things like that, much like Pilgrim's Market. And yeah. the food prices were just so high. And I knew from a little bit back in of gardening back in when I was younger that it tasted better too. So I put the combination of loving really good tasting food with uh, the high price of good tasting food yeah. and I knew the only way to get good tasting food into my life was to grow it myself so I dropped out of college at the time the when I was 20 years old and said I want to be a farmer and I just uh, for the next 10 years I spent just farming first on my own and then for Pilgrim's Market and now you know back to kind of on my own but yeah I've taken a long path of just just knowing that I want to grow food and that's what I want to do with my life and yeah who cares how it happens? It's going to happen. Who cares how it happens? It's going to happen. I actually really admire. <laughs> I admire that, um, you know, like it's it's a, such a priority that you're just going to have to figure it out. Like that, that's what I'm getting from, yeah, from that. Totally. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. It was going to, I was going to eat good food. I was going to be a farmer and the middle part, you know, how to get there was, it didn't matter how it happened. It was going to happen. So that big of a priority. I, I, I really respect that. <laughs> so I've. You know, I mentioned a handful of people that I'd planned on having a discussion about worms, you know, like when we were leading up to this, like, oh yeah, it's going to be cool. You know, I'm meeting up with Jeremiah, we're going to talk about worms. Um, and the response has been, I didn't realize it was going to be, but it's been super entertaining <laughs> because I've seen anything from super stoked, like, oh my gosh, this sounds really interesting, which is a great reaction. I love that one. To surprised, like, oh, worms, cool. Mildly creeped out worms you you know and even kind of like confused like why would you talk about worms which that one is interesting to me so it's anyone's you know it's anyone's guess who's in a room and like who's gonna react about like how who's gonna yeah it's it was super interesting to get this variety um of reactions so i'm wondering if we could start with some icebreakers to kind of help like uh, ver vary up the idea of like why some of the reasons that are super interesting kind of fun factish stuff so could you maybe give us five of your favorite trivia-like facts about worms? Yeah, well, I mean, I live worms, so five facts, no problem. <laughs> so <laughs> with a quick search on the Google will yield numerous fun facts about worms, but I'll hit you with five. Here we go. Okay. Did you know there was there is 6,000 different species of worms out there, and they are found on every single continent except Antarctica, 
And if you can think, wow. uh, the smallest one is 80 micrometers long. So that's three one-thousandths of an inch. Three one-thousandths. I can't even fathom how small that is. Yes. Okay. That's tiny. A, <laughs> tiny. And that would be, the, that's the smallest known species. But then the largest one was found in South Africa in the 60s, and it was 22 feet long. What? So we're talking, there's a mass variation here. When you think worms, you probably think that thing I got out when I went fishing and put on the hook, but there's so much more to it than that. There's yeah. There's thousands and thousands of worms. 22 out. feet, that's longer than a lot of species of snakes. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> probably pretty hard to find that 22-footer. If you've ever dug <laughs> worms out of the ground before, you might find that if you grab the end of, you know, if you get just the tail end of one yeah. and it's trying to get away, they'll they'll break in half before you can pull the other half out. So to get the 22 feet out, they probably had to use an excavator or something big, you know, That's you couldn't insane. do it by hand. I read Dune recently for the first time. It's, oh, yeah. it's nowhere near a, a Dune worm from Arrakis, but... Man, <laughs> same kind of thing. Right? Yeah, we got. that's a that's a different worm. Can't species. ride on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> what else you got? Well, you know the a worm. So you think about a pound of worms, if you can. A pound of worms is going to eat a half a pound of food every single day, or three and a half pounds of food a week. Maybe a better way to think about that is a worm itself. If you had one worm, it's going to eat half his weight in food every day. Okay. So as a worm farmer like I am, when I'm trying to feed my worms and give them enough food, I'd have to, I have to figure out how many pounds I have and then, uh, you know, give them about a half a pound of food every single day. And it ends up being, when you're dealing with banana peels and coffee grounds, that's a lot of, a lot of waste. If you compare that to, what do you, like I weigh 150 pounds or so, ish, I forget. Anyway, something like that. 150, 170, maybe 170. (laughs) And, and yeah, half of my body weight, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that'd be I like don't know if I'd eat that that'd be much. like you eating seventy five to you know sixty five, eighty pounds of food every day. That ain't gonna happen. No, no yeah, way. Yeah, that's why they're just the world's best decomposers. They take organic matter and a lot of it, and they turn it into a plant soluble fertilizer. All right, well that's a fun. That's probably one of the best facts about worms. But let's keep going. How about? <laughs> So you think about dinosaurs, they were here a long time ago, right? Dinosaurs were roaming the earth roughly 231 million years ago. Mm-hmm. But our good mm-hmm. friends, the worms, actually predate all vertebrates. And they've been in the ground, wiggling around for about 600 million years. 600 million. So you think about that, the dinosaurs, that was just, I mean, the worms were already almost 400 million years old by the time the dinosaurs rolled around. But yeah. They'd been around for quite some time. Amazing. <laughs> then you got worms. Most people probably don't know. Worms come from a cocoon. Worms mate each other, and then they lay little cocoon red-brown eggs. Oh my gosh! Okay, I saw this. And aren't they like ridiculously durable, or something like that? Yeah. Well, I you know the egg will sit in the soil and wait for the right conditions, so it can sit there for years and wait for the conditions to be just right before it's going to hatch. Yeah. And you know it takes. A few weeks for the eggs to hatch, but the cool thing I think of is the worm egg has multiple worms inside each egg. So when I think of egg, you know, a chicken egg, it's going to only have one chicken, but this is a worm egg, folks. We've got four worms per egg. That's insane. And that's one of the reasons that worms are able to repopulate so fast. That's gnarly. I didn't know that until, like, just, just in preparation for this talk. I was like, I wonder what... I could find out about worms just for fun facts, and, and I remember seeing that, and I was just like, wow. 
Okay. I get. I never thought. Of, I guess about how worms reproduce, but <laughs> yeah, laying their eggs in a big pile of uh, rotten leaves. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you know, as a worm is going through its life and eating up all that organic matter, it's doing that for two years on average. But some of these worms are living for eight years. That's like as long as some pets. Yeah. You know, you could. Yeah, eight years for a worm. You wouldn't expect such a small. Uh, creature from the soil to have such a long lifespan, but yeah, they live quite a long time. And that, folks, wraps up five fun facts about worms. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing those. Those are those are pretty cool. I, the only one that I had any knowledge of, even close, was that how they were the cocoons that you were mentioning, and I just find that fascinating because it's just I don't know, it's just neat. <laughs> so, in case people forgot or just have no experience about things like this, or with things like this, refresh our memory about maybe why earthworms are such a big deal. Like you were mentioning at the top, they're for soil fit for crops or just soil in general. Yeah, well, you gotta think about what a worm's doing when it's down in the soil, right? It's digging little tunnels. And so by digging those little tunnels, it's actually aerating the soil, letting air and water get down deeper than it naturally would. And so the plants are able to suck up more oxygen, get more their roots a little bit deeper. And as they're doing all this, they're making their way through the soil, they're releasing castings. In fact, you know, one way to think about how many castings a worm, when, when I say castings, I guess I should say worm manure. Right? Worm poop. How, many, yeah. how much worm poop is coming out of a worm on a regular basis? A good way to think about it is if you had an acre of soil that was doing all right, that wasn't dead, there would be about one million worms in that acre of soil, and those one million worms would be producing 700 pounds of fresh worm poop every single day. Every day. Every single day. So we're thinking like a thriving grassland ecosystem out there. Mm -hmm. How is it able to stay so fertile and stay so beautiful? Well, one of the real ways it's doing it is the worms are breaking down some of that organic matter out of the soil, and they're depositing... As 700 pounds an acre That's per day. Yeah. And if you've ever seen a worm, you know, they sometimes they come right out of the soil and they just stick their behind kind of up out of the soil and then they just release their little black pellet and then they kind of go back down. So it really is nature's way of taking dead decaying matter and quickly converting it into plant-soluble nutrients. It's just, it's just, just the one way of the coolest go. things about the natural world. I'm really, I'm reading... Um, just started reading Paul Stamets' Mycelium Running, which is kind of reads a lot more like a textbook, um, but it's almost like a school textbook, but like it's just the idea of like where nature uses death and decay and gives it more life is just so cool. It's just so cool. It's amazing, right? But I guess one of the biggest things that worms probably do is inside their gut is just thriving with good soil microbes and good soil fungi that are yeah. going to they're taking the food, the rotten scraps, and they're digesting it inside of them. And when they release their poo out the back, they've got that poo is completely inoculated with the perfect soil microbes and soil fungi for the plants to grow. So not only is it a good fertilizer, it's a biologically active fertilizer. It's full of life. And if you know if you're going to the store and buying a bottle of liquid fertilizer to spray on your plants, trust me, there's no life in that whatsoever, man. It's it's dead. It's devoid of all things good. 
So you want to have really awesome plants. The secret is get yourself some worms. That's pretty awesome. I I, I, I used to love going and digging um, before going fishing. I remember when I was a kid, I used to live in the south, and we would go find these uh, particularly rich-looking uh, soil patches, and we would just go dig them up. <laughs> and then we would go... And there would just be so many worms, handfuls of them, and we would just take them down to the pond with us and we'd go fishing with them. Which is, now that I'm remembering it, probably terrifying and horrifying for the poor little worms, but that's how we would do it. <laughs> now, I imagine this year we're going to have a whole lot of new gardeners, not too, not before you know it actually, right around the corner, honestly. Um, there's going to be new gardeners, new farmers out there. We've got a lot of new residents, of course, a lot of people moving here. So with so many folks new to the area, it seems like looking after plants is a really fantastic way to get to know your immediate land. You're always out there, you get your hands dirty and everything. So how, I mean, is it, does it make sense to ask, like, how do you know if your soil has earthworms or how do you know it doesn't? You know, there's signs to watch out for. Is that, is that a fair question? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd say one, the easiest way probably is to go out and dig yourself, you know, somewhere where you're going to plant, you're planning on planting a garden or maybe you already have a garden or some plants and you say, you know, is there really that much life here? Let me check it out. You want to dig a one by a one cubic foot amount of dirt out of there. So a one by one by one foot clump of soil. And you're going to want to go through it little by little and find all the worms you can. And you're looking for to find about 10 worms. So if you can find 10 worms in a cubic foot of soil, you know your soil is doing okay. But if, you know, you dig through there and you only find one or two, there's something, it's not the perfect worm habitat. There's things you can do to, you know, make it more hospitable to them. And if you find way more than that, then great. Your, your soils, you know, 10 is an average. So if you got 20, you're really kicking butt. But, you know, so one of the ways that I would say you could, I could quickly look at somebody's yard and say, is this full of worms or how many worms are in there? I could quickly make an estimation just based on, you know, how green and lush things are, what the moisture content is, and like, hmm. is there any organic matter left on the soil? Yeah. Because worms need something to eat, you know? So if you've got a nice manicured lawn and you rake every single leaf off and you kill every dandelion and everything and all you've got is this monoculture of grass, there's going to be some worms in there feeding on the roots and stuff, but it's not going to be anywhere near as worm-friendly a spot as the person, your neighbor's unkept yard where... He's got his leaves all strewn about, and hmm. uh, you know it's more of a wild system. That's going to have a lot more worms than the you know your conventional, your average yard, I guess I would say. So is that safe to say, like, if someone's in a well, let's say someone's in a suburban neighborhood? I've seen it said before that you know suburban neighborhoods are in many ways a huge cure to a lot of like let's say CO2 emission issues and things like that, but also with like bee habitat and like um, food solution. There's a lot of farmable micro plots, if you will, in suburban neighborhoods because we have backyards and we have front yards and stuff. And so what, so what you're saying is like the really well manicured lawns, there's some benefit actually to being less manicured and actually letting the natural decomposition process take place. Yeah, totally. Well, in you know, everything is a fine-tuned system in nature and it wasn't fine-tuned to have it, the lawns and everything perfectly raked clean and to have no dying, decaying things on top of the soil. Like, that's not how Mother Nature planned it all out. So we come in and we think that looks better. We do that and it's, you know, having a negative impact on the life that's in the soil. And that's not to say you're gonna, not going to find worms in your lawn if you live 
in a suburban place and you've got a well manicured lawn because there are going to be worms there but mm-hmm. it's not as many or as healthy of a soil as you could have if you were doing it more like nature intended yeah cool now how can folks keep a backyard then with soil better fit for earthworms is it more than just stop raking i mean are there other things we could do that might that we might not usually think about well you know you think about worms worms need moisture so you gotta obviously you gotta have a well moistened patch of ground if it's middle of summer it's 110 degrees out and you haven't watered in a few weeks you can go digging for as long as you want you're not going to find any worms they've moved on so really one of the big things i recommend as we just talked about is the leaving some organic matter on the soil Hmm. because worms naturally where they they grow out in nature they want to come out of the soil poke their little heads out just barely and feed on dead and decaying matter that's on the soil surface and by doing that they're blocked from predators can't see them and you know they're kind of like a little bit more protected they're underneath this pile of leaves and they're able to just quickly dart into their hole if they need to oh that's a good point and so i have a perfect view from my from this my desk here um of this backyard which of course is covered in, in beautiful white snow at the exact moment that we're recording but in the mornings in the spring and summertime it's so funny i'll just sit out and watch and we've got a family of robins that is right there and they come out <laughs> and they're just like the poor worms are just like horrified i think i can only imagine because the robins are just having breakfast yeah every morning <laughs> just going. but they have no in this area here we've always we've got some trees but the leaves on them don't fall very much so we don't have very much leaf cover so what we're saying they don't have a lot of protection um there's a lot of times where the birds will come down and it just seems like they've got free it's like an open buffet. They're just like, all right, yeah. Which one do I want? Exactly, because those worms, <laughs> in the, the worms in your yard are having to come out of their burrows and be, you know, tuck themselves next to a clump of grass. Yeah. You know that birds can easily fly by and see. So if you did have some some kind of organic matter, or even like think about think about a, the last time you walked in a forest. As you took a step on the forest, you're just all the crunkly crinkly leaves or pine needles and all that stuff under that organic matter is that's the habitat for these guys so if you've got a yard with nothing like that that's it's so true man i bet your robins are living fat because they've got no the worms have no organic matter to protect them yeah Yeah. missing that key piece we're gonna have to take a look at our backyard some worm some worm survival uh adjustments in the sometimes man but we got i think partially too i had so much coffee earlier and now i'm drinking tea and i'm just like whoa let's just talk about worms but no i i 
I think that it, I, <laughs> it's just funny. Like we've been talking about a lot of like pretty fundamental facts about worms, and also like a lot of the like the, aside from the fun trivia facts and stuff. And I've already realized a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know just from basic leaf fall stuff. And it's just funny, like how talking about something like worms, like how you were saying, like a lot of people don't think about it and they just kind of forget about it. It's so important. I mean, if you want to plant in your backyard, the, the worm health, the soil health are intertwined. The worm health and the soil health. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm, another thing I'm wondering too with, with this, as I'm sort of rambling and thinking out loud a little bit, is when it comes to the soil health and, you know, the worms there are there, like when it comes to composting, you know how people have their little compost boxes and stuff? What is like a couple of useful tips, just while I'm thinking about it, of can you put any soil? Some people wonder if you can just put like just garbage in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what's some good tips on like keeping a really like healthy for the worms composting kit going on? All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm an avid worm farmer myself. So Okay. There's a local place anybody can stop by in Otis Orchards, Marley Worm Growers. They'll sell you a pound of worms for, I think, $35. Okay. And really, if we're trying to make compost that is fed on by worms or vermicompost, as it's called, the you know you really just have to start out with that sole goal in mind. So we're not trying to make a compost pile that's going to break down our stuff and make black compost. We need to instead think of it as, like, I have this pet and it's a worm and I'm going to feed him and he's going to, I'm going to be able to get something out of it after I feed him. It's a, you know, right. mutually beneficial relationship. So the best, you know, what I highly recommend anybody does is that they go over and see Jeff Wood over at Marley Worm Growers and he can get you set up with a small worm bin that you can put in your kitchen and then you're going to be feeding it your table scraps and newspaper, coffee grounds, junk mail, dryer lint. You know, all the things oh, that really? you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't think that uh, would just be ending up in the landfill otherwise. And you're going to be feeding these to the worms and, you know, getting a super high quality fertilizer out on the other end. So I guess if we want to think about compost, to kind of kind of separate it into like, you know, maybe your leaf and grass clippings compost versus your vermicompost bins. And I'd love to go and tell more about uh, how to vermicompost and like the do's and don'ts of Oh what, yeah, what to feed your worms and what don't to feed them and what not to feed them and stuff. It's so funny you mention that because I I was thinking just yesterday morning about um, some springtime topics. That would be perfect. We could because I I'm trying to get an idea of like how we can help people in the springtime with uh, relatable ideas and topics that are really helpful for getting outside and experiencing these things. And we could talk about some compost stuff and help some folks out with that. That would be good to keep in mind. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's so it's so invigorating to take some trash and turn it into black gold, really. Yeah. Nothing like it. But you know, one of the things I'd love to just touch on real quick is this something I've, you know, come to come to learn about the soil the soil life, you know? Hmm. So when you think about a when you think about a plant out in the ground, how is it getting fertilizer? Is it, you know, most people just think that it just sucks up nitrogen from the ground, you know? It's just able to do that. But in reality, it's a complex dance between the arthropods, the microarthropods, the bacteria, and the fungi in the soil breaking apart aggregates to give 
plants this soluble fertilizer that they need. So think about a plant and its roots. The plant can't actually absorb anything out of the soil. It needs it to be unlocked first by the life within the soil. So a microarthropod, which you know is even smaller than that 80 micrometer worm, you know, really tiny little bugs and there's a few different kinds, they're gonna walk up to a bacteria or a fungus and they're gonna eat that bacteria and fungus and poop it out the uh, whatever they were, didn't use for themselves. Mm -hmm. And what they poop out is what the plants can actually use. So the plant can't, the, no plant can go out into the soil and just grab fertilizer. It needs the whole web of life in the soil to break it apart, digest it, and then the plants are able to uptake the manure of the microarthropods. So when it comes to worm farms, that they fit into that same kind of thing because if you've got a worm farm like I do, when you open up the bin, you're gonna, not just going to see worms, you're going to see all these other little creatures in there, these little springtails and these uh, centipedes and millipedes and mm. all these things that are working in concert to break everything down. And I got to believe that that's, you know, that's really what organic agriculture should be, mm -hmm. so much more than just yeah. the people that go out and spread compost on their fields. Because, yeah, compost is organic, but it doesn't have all the life, all the biology that exists in the natural system that plants actually need to uptake the fertilizer. So that's a little bit of a rambling long way to explain it, but worms are super important and the yeah. biology in their guts, super important. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have the planet that we have. So, yeah. well, it's, I, it's, I love that you point out the centipedes and the millipedes and there's other life in there, not just the worms, which kind of, well, let's use that as a segue to this last thought. So, kind of a playful end to the discussion, if you will. So this season, we've been using this common theme, sort of redefining community and under, just, it's been interesting getting different people's perspectives based on the field that they come from um, and how they answer this sort of last thought or question. So we've been kind of playing with the concept of what it is that defines a community, a community member. You know, in native cultures, animal life, plant life, often seem to be generally regarded as something a lot more than merely property, you know, which which we were kind of alluding to earlier. And it seems like such a bland way <laughs> to describe land and like everything inhabiting it, the complex systems of life within it and everything, the humble and ever important, just the, not just the earthworm, but <laughs> 6,000 species of worms, you know. So I'm, I'm wondering what it would look like. What do you think it would look like as a farmer? What's your perspective on you know, just imagining, just for fun, as pragmatically as you want to answer this or as or as abstractly as you want to answer this, what do you think would change? How do you think mindsets would look? How do you think we would interact with our surroundings if we had that reverence that I'm describing? Well, you know, you think about Native American cultures and they were so in tune with the land, so in tune with the, the natural systems that they would look at a wild animal and they would literally say, that's my brother, that bear over there, that's my brother. Because it, mm. you know, they were so interconnected with the animals and the plants and everything that it was, these were like family members, you know, because they, it was that big of a deal. So when I think of what would it mean to like, if we were able to like respect the land and revere it like the Native Americans did, I really think we'd be in a, you know, we'd be in such a be much better place. But let's let, let's boil that down to like just just looking at the worms for goodness sake. I mean, like if we're just let's say we lived in a society where we're like 
hey, you don't think about worms much. That wasn't a sentiment anymore. Like we did think about worms a lot when we went to go in our backyard. Like, hey, backyard, how are the worms doing? Like it was a, it was just a thought, just like, how's my grass? You know what I mean? Like in the suburbs here, we see a lot of that. <laughs> how's my grass doing? But what, what if we lived in a society that was like, hey, just as concerned about the worm's health and the centipedes and the millipedes as we are the freaking grass. Well, damn, dude, you know, if we lived in that world, I think pretty sure all pesticides would be banned. All pretty much all poisons would be banned and all those things cuz, you know, when you go out and spray a fungicide, a pesticide, any of those things on your plants or on your on your lawn, you're just going to be killing life. So, I guess the main thing we do is we ban all poisons. Mm-hmm. There'd be no such thing as going out to kill things and instead we'd look for biological controls um you know if we cared that much about the life in the soil you know i think it would also take a lot more of an understanding of what's going on because most people even myself included don't you know i can i can think i know what's happening in the soil but if i don't have a microscope to actually view it it's still just kind of that abstract thing like what is what's actually going on in there we don't know yeah. So, I guess what would it feel like if we were, if we were to able to respect the land and you know care about the worms and care about everything? It would be it would be a much happier, healthier planet. That's for sure. We'd be able to see the interconnectedness of everything, and we would really, uh, you know, it wouldn't seem so fanciful to walk outside and see a wild animal and be like, "That's my brother." Yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't seem so out of whack, but. It wouldn't. In today's day and age, I can see how that might, you know, you could be taken as the common psycho person on the street might be talking to a wild animal and you could say, that guy's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> That's we, a good point. Like, right in modern, like, day, like even in the middle of a city or something like that, like if you were to see that, you would. That would be the immediate thought you'd go for. Yeah. Dude's nuts. That guy's nuts. He called that bear his brother, man. He's clearly off his rocker. Well, even if you see, I can, even I can prove that right again, like in another way, like folks who talk to their dogs a little bit too much, you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. everyone, like, there's folks who talk to the dogs. I talk to my dogs when, I have, when I've had dogs. But then there's folks who talk to their dogs like a lot. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. Interesting. I wonder what's going on there. But it, so, but that that looks like it's got a weird and like look to it. But under this mindset that I'm a pro, that I'm kind of raising up with this question, you're saying that might not be so strange. Yeah, it would be a it would be a wonderful thing if we felt that way. Not only about you know we're talking about bigger animals, but it would be really amazing if most people had like a connection to what's going on underneath their feet because most of it is so microscopic and impossible to see that it's not even even listening to a guy on a podcast talk about worms isn't going to do enough justice you're not going to after listening to this you're not going to go home and say god i really respect those microarthropods in the soil because you don't know what they look like you haven't ever seen them they're just this idea that i'm putting in your head but if we had so i guess going back to like what would it be like if we treated the land and the animals that way I guess the only way that we could ever treat the soil that way is to just have a lot better understanding in our society about what's actually happening in the soils. Because, you know, most of it, it's not like a big animal that you could see grazing out in the pasture or something. It's, It's mostly microscopic and, you know, up until very recently, we haven't even had the technology to be able to view what's actually happening in the soil. So, so the best way to do that 
is to go plant some shit. Go plant some shit. And go to <laughs> go get yourself some worms. Yes. Start yourself a worm farm. Start converting your waste that you were going to throw in the garbage anyway. Start turning it into black gold. I love it. Dude, this has been so much fun. I, I, I love talking about worms. It's been a great time. <laughs> worms, man. Worms, man. That's the quote of the... I'm just going to put that all over the Instagram post. Worms, man. <laughs> Jeremiah Bruno. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. I appreciate you listening. And uh, hopefully one day we'll, we'll uh, expand our agricultural topics with Jeremiah. We'll get you back in here. Sounds great. Can't wait. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. And folks, that's it. This concludes our winter season. We had a lovely eight episodes covering salmon, bees, integration work, finding meaning in community, critiquing environmentalism, building an art collective, women's health and nutrition, and of course, worms. We covered a lot of stuff and all of it from real people that I am so proud to say that I share a community, a state, a planet with. So with that, thank you for listening, everybody. Enjoy your spring solstice and keep an eye out for more of this podcast, more of these discussions. I'll be back with more content before you know it. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and all that good stuff. I have been Jet, and this has been the Sustainable Culture Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>